Hi, I'm Ankita. Hi, I'm Michelle. And hi, I'm Ashley. And we are the co-founders of Acorn and the hosts of Edipod, a podcast series elevating voices of educators and other key players working on advancing the education system in the United States. This season, we are discussing the impact of COVID-19 on students, teachers, and schools. Today, we're speaking with Batsheva Frankel, an educator, education consultant, and the founder of New Lens Ed, an organization providing workshops, courses, and trainings for teachers. Alongside her job, she also hosts a podcast series called Overthrowing Education, which explores new concepts and trends that ultimately help teachers build meaningful learning experiences for students. She is also the author of Jewish Educators Companion, which is a book about teaching techniques and practices that draw inspiration from Jewish traditions. As an education consultant, Batsheva works closely with numerous educators and players in the sector. Today, we speak with Batsheva about popular trends in the education system and how COVID has aided and disrupted those trends. Please keep in mind that this interview was recorded on September 10, 2020. So some of the content, especially about COVID-19, might be different when you listen to it. Batsheva, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So you recently started a new organization, New Lens Ed. Can you tell us about what exactly does this organization do and why did you decide to start it now? Well, actually, I didn't start it right now. I actually started it a few years ago. Um, it's a, it was kind of my side business along with my full-time teaching and administrative job. Um, what I was doing was giving workshops to teachers all over at conferences and universities and institutions all over the country and also throughout the UK. And I really, really love doing that. It's one of my favorite things to do is to help teachers with coming up with amazing new approaches and, and helping them be creative. And, and I really, really love that. But I also had this full-time job. And it was also kind of expensive for places to bring me in because they'd have to pay for my travel and where I was staying and all of those things. So a lot of places just couldn't have me. When everything happened with the pandemic, I immediately started teaching online and giving like these free workshops and things like that, just because I really, really wanted to help teachers immediately with the situation in March and in April, just trying to help them with the best I could, giving them the tools. And then I started um, doing more and more of that. And then I have now been brought, August was nonstop packed with people wanting coaching, with uh, schools wanting to bring me in. And now they could afford me because everybody's doing everything on Zoom. I don't know why it never occurred to me to, <laughs> to do that in the first place. Like it never, I, like, I don't know. I think it's changed everybody's paradigm and it's certainly changed mine. And I realized, oh, I'm actually really good at doing these kinds of workshops and really helping people. And I can do it in the same way, uh, more or less. I mean, there's something lovely about being in person and I hope to be able to do that as well someday soon. But right now I'm really, really enjoying getting to do all of these workshops. And sometimes I do things with schools where they have four teachers and it's just, I get to do intense things. And sometimes it's one-on-one -on -one. and sometimes it's a hundred. I'm doing one for a hundred people uh, on Sunday. So. You know, it, it just depends. But the fact is, all of these people get access to this now. And I'm getting to do the thing I love. So actually, I am not doing my other job, except for the podcast, which is still part of my other job. But that's it, because I just am focusing on New Lens Ed. 
and really being able to help people at this time when I think it's so valuable. And everything that I'm teaching, which is really exciting for me, everything that I'm teaching is great right now during like remote learning or hybrid learning situations, but it's also really great in the classroom. And it's stuff that I would have wanted teachers to know anyway, but now everybody's like really, really open to it, to learning these new things. They like, they really wanna up their game, which is very exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I really like how you, you, you're making it seem like shelter at home actually brought an opportunity to you, right? Like I think being at home and being virtual has actually opened so many doors for a lot of us. And I think it's really important to kind of look at the situation in that positive lens. And, and I think your story is a very great example of that. We do want to talk a lot about your workshops and the kinds of topics you, you teach and address. But before getting to that, I kind of want to move back to back to the time when we didn't know what COVID was. Um, and back then, what were the trends in education? And the reason I want to ask you this is because you're the host of, of the podcast, Overthrowing Education, where you bring in a lot of people and talk about different trends in the education sector. So I kind of want to hear from you initially before COVID, where was the education sector headed? So it's, it's such a great question. And what's really interesting is that, you know, when I was in the beginning of my podcast, I've been doing it for a little over a year. So the first half a year was just like totally normal, felt like, you know, and we were dealing with all of these topics that were really important to me, like why we should go gradeless, why we should be uh, um, feedback focused schools instead of the grades, why, you know, equitable education, why it's so important, um, why standardized testing is so dangerous, and, and why testing in general, tests and quizzes in general, are not the best way to assess. Like all of these things that I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this podcast, and then hopefully people will hear it, and hopefully educators will hear it and be inspired, and hopefully parents will hear it and advocate for these changes. And I just kind of saw it as this really slow moving train. And I was like, but you got to at least leave the station. You got to at least try, right? So that was the goal. And then all of a sudden, when the pandemic hit and everything closed down and we saw, it was kind of this very intense magnifying glass on what needed to be done you know, the positive thing, if there's a positive thing, and I wish we hadn't had to go through this to discover this, but I, what I feel is that, like, we saw how inequitable education is, like, you couldn't miss it, right, it was so awful, it's like, okay, we really have to address, this is a huge problem, and we have to address it, now, I always felt like that, and there's a lot of educators who saw that, and felt that, and, you know, every day, but now, like the whole world, like you can't pretend anymore that it doesn't exist. And the same thing with the challenge of giving grades or the challenge of standardized testing. It all was like being held up to this magnifying glass, you know, when we, when we went through this and people were starting to question it. That's one thing. The other thing is that student-centered learning is so important. There's a lot of wonderful tech tools that really can help students, but a lot of teachers were very resistant to technology. And so that's one of the things that I tried to do. And I was thinking about, you know, we saw that there was definitely a trend towards that using technology in a meaningful way, not just in a flashy way or whatever, um, but like in a really meaningful way to help the curriculum and to help, you know, the delivery of the content. So, you know, I saw that happening. And then once again, once COVID hit, it was like, 
now all these teachers who've never cared about doing that are now, you know, they're, they're upping their game. They're trying to learn. They're taking workshops. They're, they're just doing these incredible things to try to do that. So what's interesting to me is that all of these trends that I was you know, hoping to see that, that, that we were working towards that, you know, all these, there's so many great educators out there who are, who are trying to do these things, but even more so, you know, after COVID hit and, you know, we had to change the way we teach. Uh, it was amazing to see, like I said, that maybe these changes that seemed like they were really slow, suddenly the train just sped out of the station. And so my hope actually is that when this is over, and I hope that it's soon, as we all do, that all of those lessons and everything that we learned will continue so that we don't just go back to the same train station we were at before, you know. Great. You know, you touched on how trends have been affected by COVID and impacted by distance learning. And we know that distance learning has been really challenging for students, teachers, parents, and everyone in the ecosystem and the community. And so reflecting on some of these challenges, what role does a school play in the community? And how has this pandemic really changed our understanding of what a school even is or what learning even is nowadays? Yeah, I think that's such a fantastic observation slash question, really, because a lot of times people before all of this, people just saw school as a place where mostly where students go in, they, you know, you shove a bunch of information at them and then they come out. Right. And, and that was kind of what school was. And a lot of times there was this idea of we're not responsible for their character or their, you know, all of these other things, you know, a lot of teachers did, you know, they bond with their students, they have relationships that are, that are meaningful and that, you know, last. But what we found when um, COVID hit is that a school is much, much more than that, that there's a place where students can go, you know, and sometimes for, there's a lot of students out there, like school is actually the safest place for them safer than their home, safer than the streets, safer than, you know, wherever. Um, we also found, you know, all of these, like if you close the schools, a lot of these students don't get fed, right? So they worked really hard. A lot of these schools worked really hard to make sure that their students were fed, which is such a caring and loving and important thing to do. And so then we saw, oh, wait, schools are more than just a place to, for your kid to go to, you know, hope that they learn something and then they leave or to keep them busy. But they actually are a place where uh, it's a community and hopefully a caring community. And we see that, that that's really what schools should be. They should be caring communities that help students become better human beings. And part of that is, you know, learning the different subjects and things. But even within those different subjects, why are we teaching them all of those things? Like, why is that important? We need them to understand, like, why is this important? It's important because it helps them as a a well-rounded human being. And so school becomes, we see that school is much more than just a place to, you know, you drop off your kids or whatever to just to learn something or, or, or daycare, right? We're also seeing, by the way, that it is kind of like daycare because a lot of parents who need to work and then their kids are at home, it's really problematic for them because that's, that's their daycare. And if they're, even though the kid's like in sixth grade or seventh grade, if they're not old enough to stay home by themselves while those parents go out and work, especially the first responding 
you know, the, the first line workers and the first responding workers, you know, they couldn't stay home and kind of be with their kids while they were, you know, and overseeing them when they're working. So it is kind of also daycare in a way, uh, especially for the younger grades, not in the traditional sense that we think, but it's a place where we can trust that our students, we hope we can trust that our, that our kids will be safe and taken care of. Um, and, you know, but I do want to say that we also have seen that school doesn't always have to be a building because there are actually students out there who thrived. And, and while you were right, Michelle, that it was, it's been very, very challenging for a lot of teachers and a lot of students. It's also been really amazing for certain students. Like they've thrived with this online learning, you know, with the distance learning. And some of the teachers, like if they do it well, they actually really love it because they get to do all of these cre you know, creative things and they get to you know, see their students like right in their faces kind of thing versus you know, there's no back row when you're on a Zoom call, right? You know, there's just no back row that people can sort of hide. So it's great on some level and for some people. Um, you know, and I was even saying it for my practice too. I love giving workshops online. I'm so into it. But I still, there's still a, an in-person energy that's really special. And there's things that I can do in person that I cannot do online. And that's just true with any school, right? But it turns out there's things you can do online that you can't do in person. So there are some good things that came out of this in that sense. Right. And yeah, I think the digital tools have now replaced like the the building right the space of schools and so i kind of want to get your take on that right i think the education sector was growing before and because of distance learning it, it like it's experiencing a boom right like everybody is talking about edtech so what do you think have we entered an indefinite era of digital learning or do you think that once covid is is gone and then we're we're all going back to meeting in person like we'll go back to what it was definitely you know before this there were sort of two camps there were the teachers who really embraced technology as an incredible tool to deliver their content and they and they felt comfortable with it and they incorporated it in, in thoughtful ways into their curriculum and you saw that and then there were the other teachers who were not comfortable with technology they might try something but they have their way of doing stuff and it's worked for them and sometimes it hasn't really worked for them but a lot of times it really does and they do some really great things but they weren't ready to embrace technology as you know, in theory, they might be like, yeah, that's good for you, but it's not going to work for me. Um, and, I, and that still does exist. But I think what happened is it immediately broke down that barrier because I think a lot of teachers said, you know what, I need to figure out how to make this work. I need to learn how to engage my students with online lessons, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing this online or with remote learning. I need to learn some new tools. And so, you know, the ed tech sector is like flying. And I mean, I'm so excited about that because I'm teaching things, you know, that I've been doing for years and years inside the classroom when it was actually, you know, in a physical space. And I was using things like Padlet and Flipgrid and Edpuzzle and ThingLink and, you know, all of these different tools. And there's so many, many more. And now 
people are learning those people who weren't interested before but are now very interested or even if they weren't that interest now like i'm doing a lot of coaching where i have to take these teachers who know no tech and i have to say i have to show them how to like share their screen screen on a zoom call you know like on a, their zoom lesson i have to show them how to do these things but then i keep working with them and now suddenly they're making like these phenomenal padlets and then you know that's not something when they go back into the classroom that's not something they're just going to be like okay I, that was then this is now they know now how to do that they know now how to use those tech tools and they know how to use them hopefully thoughtfully right and so that when they get back into their classrooms it's not like you could erase all of that amazing information and all of that practice and the cool things they did and they know at least i mean you know i teach them that i'm sure everybody else who teaches these tech tools all convey these are great things. Like I also talk about how do you use them in your class when it's right on site. So I always talk about, you know, online and on site. So I think that, you know, to me, that piece of it is only positive. I think it's really going to help up the game, even when we get back into our classrooms. It's changing a lot of teachers' paradigms um, and getting them, you know, kind of excited about something new, which is really nice. Great. Thanks for bringing up the topic of workshops through your new organization, New Lens Ed. So you mentioned that, um, you know, through your work as an education consultant through your org, you've been working with several teachers and schools, preparing them for this school year. Generally speaking, what topics have these workshops focused on? And is there a key message that you'd like to share with educators listening to the podcast? Yeah, I would say there's kind of two basic things that teachers and schools are looking for. And the first one is I do a, a workshop, it's called Creating Communities Online and On-Site. Basically, that's like a big thing now because every, you know a lot of people know how to build those communities, particularly on-site. And sometimes people love to hear about you know, icebreakers and things you can do, but it's way more challenging to create that sense of community when you're online for, for most people. And so that's been a really popular workshop that I give because I give all of these ideas and tools and, and different kinds of things that they can do for the beginning of the year and, the, and in the middle of the year to sustain and build community. And, and I think that's something that people are really looking for. So that's kind of a popular idea. The other thing that people are really looking for is what are the tech tools that are going to be used to really engage students. How can I engage, how can I do student-centered learning? How can I engage my learners in tech tools? So I do kind of, I do an overall workshop where I do kind of a, an, a survey of a lot of different cool tech tools and, and give some ideas of how to use it. But then I also do what I call the deep dives in different specific tech tools so that I can take teachers step by step how to do all of these things and then show them tons of ideas of how you can use them in your classroom and then I also we do some like collaborative brainstorming work where I also coach them and so we do a lot of different things like that and then the last thing is then there's the teachers who kind of all get that but they want to move on to how do I do these things but how do I really connect in terms of challenging my students with critical thinking skills and analytical skills and how can we kind of just make it more inquiry based and, and things like that and so I also teach a method that um, I developed and I've been teaching this all over the world but well 
just like Japan and the UK and the United States. That's not really all over the world, but um, it's called um, Lenses of Questioning. And it's a method that I um, created to really help teachers ask a wide variety of kind of questions and more importantly, to train their students to ask those wider variety of questions. And we can see that when you're working online or when you're working remotely, that that's as, as important as it's always been, it's even more important to, to have in student-centered learning, inquiry-based learning, to do that in the distance learning or remote learning situations. And so those have kind of been the main three. But I think if you ask anybody who's working in tech and giving tech, like that's just so huge right now. It's so, so, so huge. Yeah, thank you for sharing um, sharing some of the topics that you cover in your workshops and trainings. We will add more information about that in the description box of this episode so that our listeners can take a look at your work. So one thing that I think I'm noticing, and it's it's with your conversation and also with conversations with other teachers that we've had that because of distance learning, there is a lot of load that they're experiencing, whether, be a term, whether it be in terms of the hours that they're spending or the new skills that are picking up. So definitely there's a lot that teachers are doing at this time. But there, as you've mentioned in a couple of answers ago, that so are the students and the parents, right? Like you also have parents who have students at home while they have to go to work or while parents are at work at home and their student is also or their child is also being a student at home at the same time. So there are multiple stakeholders here. Um, but given the situation, there are also a lot of decisions being made about what is the school year going to look like? What is the future of education going to look like? So I wanted to ask you, when it comes to making decisions about the school year or also about how education should look like, who is leading this conversation and who do you think should be involved in this conversation? Yeah, um, I think that mostly it's administrators and also like politicians who are making these decisions, which I do not get at all. Like, I feel like teachers were almost always left out of that conversation. There were places where I heard from teachers that their schools really did involve them in these conversations. But school, we've seen now, like we cannot refute it. It needs to change. And, you know, maybe we can talk about that later, like what that might be. But meanwhile, we really have to bring in the teachers to talk about this. We need to bring in the parents to talk about this. We need to bring in students to talk about this. We need to hear from these students. What's working for you? What's not working for you? What might work for you, right? And it, we also need to train our students how to understand and um, self-assess their learning and how to, you know, like that metacognitive aspect where they can really examine those things so that they actually have the vocabulary and the understanding for you know, instead of just saying like, oh, I hate it, or I love it, but like, why? And can you dissect that? And, and you know, what are the things that you, you know, you, you did the remote learning and did it work for you? What didn't work for you? Uh, I think that's really important. And I think parents also need to understand, and that's one of the reasons for my podcast is because I want parents to understand what great education could look like. You know, unfortunately, most of them only know their education experiences. 
and they either did okay or they didn't do okay. They either liked it or they didn't like it, but they don't really understand how amazing it could actually be, you know, unless they've seen it, unless they've experienced it, or they send their kid to a school, their kid goes to a school where they've seen it. Um, so I think that's such a beautiful opportunity for the entire community to get together and figure this out. And not every answer is going to be right for every, it's not a one size fits all, you know? And so that's really the important thing is to say like, what does our community need? What do our parents need? What do our kids need? What do our teachers need? Right. And it's not always going to be the same for every school because every community is very, very different. So I think that's really important. Thank you. Yeah. And, and although I agree with everything that you said for just this moment, I'm going to take the devil's advocate's role and ask you a question that that often comes up when we bring up the topic of including all the stakeholders, which is when you do include all the stakeholders, you're adding a lot more variables, which makes it harder to make a decision. So my question to you is, if let's say a school principal or someone from a school district wants to bring in these stakeholders together, how should they go about doing that? And how should they facilitate collaboration in a way that that is meaningful? Yeah, I think that's a really important question because um, can you just imagine like having this huge room full of all the parents and all the students and all the teachers and all that, like literally nothing would get done. It might be a lot of yelling or something, but I don't know, but there, nothing's going to get done. So it really has to be, you know, almost like a, rep a few representatives from the students. And, and not just the, you know, A students who are, you know, head of the, the president of the class and the, you know, whatever, but like a, a nice representation of a lot of different kinds of students that are there, including students with special needs. There should be students that like that on our, on that committee. And then you have, and, and they can meet with the other students and kind of get the you know, kind of hear from them, but you can't have all of those people in a room, so to speak, whether it's a virtual room or a real room, it just isn't going to work. Um, and the same thing with the parents, you know, a, a nice little sampling of a couple of the parents that can represent sort of what the parents at large might want to say, right? And the same thing with the teachers, you don't need all the teachers, but you want to make sure that all the teachers have a voice. So, but they would be represented by a few teachers and the same thing with the admin right? You don't have to have the entire admin there and then two students and two parents and two teachers, right? It should be kind of an equal thing that's happening. So, and, and they might even bring out an outside person to kind of help run it so that there's not that sense that the admin is in charge, that everybody has kind of an equal seat at the table and that what everybody says is valuable, including the administrators, of course. So, you know, I think that that's a way that that could work. Um, otherwise, you know, yeah, it's, it will be chaotic <laughs> and a mess. <laughs> and it's a process, by the way, right? Like, it's not going to happen in one meeting. This is like something that they should take on for a year to kind of, and it could start now, you know, let's start now so that by the time we get back into our classrooms, we might have a completely different idea of what school looks like, of what it will be for us. Great. Um, speaking of bringing key stakeholders to the table, your answer blends seamlessly with the question that we ask every single person that comes on our show, which is, 
what is your vision for the future of education? Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> and you can definitely hear, you know, kind of what's important to me from the podcast, for sure, from my podcast. Um, I think one of the things that I would love to see, I just had the incredible privilege of speaking on my podcast with Ron Berger. And it was so profound. Uh, he's been a, an educational hero of mine. And we really talked about uh, what he was saying was education is a team sport, right? We're so used to it being this individualized thing. But if we had in a vision, I can see if we rethought and just shifted our paradigms completely about what we think education really is and what it has to look like both physically and which we've kind of already done because of this pandemic, but but also just like in its, in its very nature, in its very structure. I would, the changes that I want to see are so huge. <laughs> so, um, you know, things like having a school, like I said before, being feedback oriented. But like one of the things that Ron talks about is this idea of crew. But I love that idea of having your crew at school, having your team that you go through all your years with that, um, that have your back that, you know, that won't let you fail, that won't, you know, that bring you along so that we're not, it's not all about get me through this, get me, you know, I just need to, you know, stomp on this person, like whatever I need to do to get the best grade. If that means cheating, that's what it means. If that means, you know, whatever I have to do. And, and that idea is so sad to me. It's such a, a, a robbing of an opportunity for us to collaborate, like really learn how to collaborate, because that's actually what we have to do in real life, right? I mean, there's very few things that we do just on our own. Um, and it's good, we should be self-sufficient in that way, but we also need to like reach out to people and learn how to all work together to create something meaningful. And I think that that would be a lovely vision of education if, if it was more of a, a team sport, it was more of something that we all really helped each other do. And then I also, you know, then there's things like integrating curriculum. I'm very much uh, wanting to get rid of this idea that is so prevalent about subject, 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 as if they were the single subject, you know, as if we did that in our life. Like now I'm going to read a book, so I certainly don't want to think about anything else. You know, I can't, you know, I can't do math. I can't worry about like, it better not have any math in this book or science. I don't, you know, science fiction. No, I have to read. It has to be this, you know, we, we do that in our subjects in school and it just makes no sense to me. Everything is integrated. And that's actually when it has meaning is when it's completely integrated. So I would love to see a totally different model. And there are schools out there that do this and they do it well, which is lovely. And project-based learning does this a lot. So I, I think that's such a great model. Um, but really integrating the curriculum to show students why everything actually is relevant. So those are just a few things. I could, you know, go on and on for days, but. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think. Um... The message about the fact that a key aspect of going through school is knowing that we're all together, right? I think that was your first message. I think that is so powerful. And I think that really stands out during during distance learning, right? Like a lot of us are not just going through education alone, but we are, or, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not a student, but I'm 
sitting behind the screen working alone. And so I can imagine students are also kind of literally alone now and kind of reminding all of us, whether you're in school or not, that that ultimately we, we do need support and that community aspect. And then and it's a key part of learning. Yeah. And it and if we did that, if we really, really had that, then I think a lot of students wouldn't feel quite so alone when we had to like go to remote learning or you know whatever that the, and even in the even in their spaces there's so many students who feel so alone and actually so many teachers too who feel like i'm going through this really really hard thing how you know i need support i need some help and it's and it's not always there for them and certainly for students so how lovely it would be if they felt like it was a really a community and i think that that's uh, what I think a lot of people are trying to shoot for now is kind of creating that sense of community. Yeah, no, we're very excited to see how how the situation, the COVID situation, um, inspires us to to change education and not just education, all all the other uh, systems, sectors, and institutions. Bacheva, thank you so much for joining us today. It was truly a pleasure speaking with you. Again, to our listeners, if you want to get in touch with her, please go to the description box of this episode and we will have links to her website and her organization and also her podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into this episode. To recommend topics and nominate educators to be interviewed, visit acornlabs.org. To support us, subscribe to this series and donate on Patreon.